Pray with me. Father God, you are truly an amazing God. Lord, you are the one that we come to. You are the one that we need. You are the one, Father, who saves. You are the one that fills and satisfies. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will fill this place, that we will be touched by your hand, that we will see the truth of your word, that we will see your son as our hope. Father, as we turn to your word now, we pray that it will resonate deep within our hearts, that we will not just be hearers, but through your power, we will be doers of your word. Save us, God. Father, as you do it for us, we pray that you'll do it for Pastor Ronald Kogo, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Nakuru, Kenya. Father, you have called Pastor Kogo and his wife Jackie and their children to Nakuru, the fourth largest city in Kenya, to plant a church. Father, to bring your people together in a local expression of the body, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to build your people up in the truth. And Father, they can't do it on their own. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Kogo and his family, that you will protect them, that you will use them mightily, and that you will save many there in Kuru, Father. Lord, we pray that you will provide them a solid core, some leaders that they will gather in this new church body. And Father, that you will use the Bible studies, you'll use the ministries, you'll use your people for your glory. Father, we also pray for the North American Mission Board, the church planting arm of our denomination. Father, they seek to plant a church all over North America, from Mexico to Canada and all throughout the U.S., Father. We pray that you will give them not only the resources, that you will call more men to the gospel ministry, that you will gather men and women together as new bodies of believers in areas where the light of Christ needs to shine in the darkness. Father, we don't ever want to forget the people who have not heard of the gospel, who have not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. This morning we think of the Gemma of Sudan. Father, they are over 100,000 people who are trapped in the false religion of Islam. They believe that they can work themselves into your good graces. Father, open their eyes. Father, I pray that you'll break the chains of that false religion and that they'll see Jesus as the light of the world, that he's the light of men, that he truly is God and he is the way of salvation, Father. Open the doors, send out men and women, maybe from our flock. May you send us, Father, to the unreached people. May they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Raise up not only the people to go, but Father, raise up people who will support them, who will pray for them and provide for our brothers and sisters as they go. Father, we also want to pray for Covenant Community Church. We pray for the continued healing of Pam recovering from her stroke. Father, pray that you'll be with Carl as he's taken a sabbatical to care for his wife. I pray that you will heal Pam, that you'll give Carl the strength to care for his wife, and that you'll be with Pastor Tom as he takes on the, uh, the leading of the church on his own for a season. May you help him to endure 
And not just bear it, Father, but to to thrive in the joy that you're giving him, Father. May the men stand up around him and support him. And may the the sisters of that church serve each other as, as they seek to share the good news. Father, be with us as we turn to your word. May it not fall on deaf ears. It's in your name. Amen. We are now officially in the Christmas season. For some, it began back in early November. You began to see it all in the stores right after Halloween. Decorations going up, the playing of Christmas music. Thanksgiving is just kind of squeezed right in there between Halloween and Christmas. And it's hard to focus on Thanksgiving as more and more people and places focus on Christmas. But now, now officially I can say Merry Christmas to you because it's officially the holiday that's talked about and it's celebrated, it's sung about. It brings back a lot of memories for people. And I have to confess to you that Christmas is my favorite holiday. I love Christmas. It's a tradition in my family to begin decorating for Christmas at 12.01 right after Thanksgiving. So, so we reserve Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving, and we are truly thankful. But at 12.01, right after midnight, we pull out the decorations and we begin decorating. We did that growing up, and now Christian and I do it with the kids. And these days, I might not wake up at 12.01, so we do it the next day sometimes. We spend a lot of time in the Thanksgiving season focusing on the meaning of being thankful for all who God is and all that he does. But then normally, 1201, we turn immediately toward Christmas and the meaning of this great holiday. And we pull out the decorations and we start filling our home with Christmas. A lot of people decorate for Christmas. You, you may decorate for Christmas. Lights go up on the houses, a Christmas trees put up other ornaments and decorations. When Christian and I were first married, we only had a few that were given to us, and then we bought some over the years. And then as the years went on, we've added more. And in recent years, we focused more on one particular thing, in Christmas. It's almost in every Christian home, it becomes a highlight. It's either part of the decorations or it's read about, it's sung about. There's now even a movie about it. There are plays and shows to go to, and that's a nativity scene. The nativity, the scene where Mary and Joseph having baby Jesus, maybe in Mary's arms and laying him down in the manger, surrounded by animals because there's no room for them in the end. And maybe your nativity scene has shepherds and and kings surrounding them. Christian and I have tried to find more nativity scenes, and we've tried to put them on the tree and over the house. I've even thought about building my own manger and putting it on the porch or out in the front lawn just to symbolize what Christmas really is. It's an important picture for Christmas, the nativity scene. Of all the decorations, of all the lights, of all the music, the baking, the the sweet smells, the fragrances, it's the nativity with all the faces 
centered on Jesus Christ. And normally the babe is, is lit up so you see and you focus right in there on the Christ child. You see, without Christ, there is no Christmas. There is no holiday to truly celebrate. We need to be reminded of this every year. We live in a world that tries to tell us Christmas is about other things, but Christmas is about Christ. We've seen it on bumper stickers now, and now you see it on Facebook and Twitter posts that's saying to keep Christ in Christmas. He's the reason for the season, they say, and it's true. That's uh, several ways to do it. There's another way to keep Christ in Christmas, and that's Advent. It's a, it's a good way to focus on Christ during the holiday. And Advent is simply an old Latin term that means coming. In the church for a long time, the season of Advent has been celebrated as preparation for the coming of the Christ child. And many families even do it at home these days. We started doing it as a church last year, where on each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we remember the season of waiting for the Christ child to come. And then it ends with the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, on Christmas morning. Jesus being born as a lowly babe in Bethlehem. That is his first advent, his first coming. And now we wait for his second advent, his second coming. Most of us may, may remember what's told in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. And that passage is really the theme for the month of December with Advent. At the time of Jesus' birth, right before Jesus was born, the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and told him this, Your wife will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. We're pausing from our series through Colossians during the whole month of December to go through this series of Advent, God with us, and to, to prepare us to truly celebrate the meaning of of Christmas. And honestly, it doesn't matter. There's debate if Christ was even born on December 25th or not. And that really doesn't matter if he was born then. What matters is that we celebrate his birth. And our tradition is to do it December 25th. And that's what's important. The, uh, the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary and Joseph shall call the baby, shall name him Emmanuel which means God with us. Jesus has many titles in the Bible. Christmas celebrates, though, God coming to us. God coming to us. Jesus is Emmanuel. What does it mean for God to be with us? What does it mean God is with us? The Gabriel angel, the angel said, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Emmanuel, God with us, fulfills a promise that God made many, many years, thousands of years, an eternity even, before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 
But what's the big deal? Why did the angel Gabriel take the time to look at Joseph and to tell him, you will call him Emmanuel, God with us? And why is it written down for us today? Why is that important to know that Jesus is Emmanuel? Well, during Advent this year, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what the big deal is. Why is it so important to know that Jesus is God with us? You see, there's more to the nativity scene than just everyone looking at this precious baby. There's more to the nativity than just everyone just focused in on that child. There's more to the music. There's more to even the decorations and the movies that I love. There's more to Christmas than that. There's more to family time at Christmas, as precious as that is. You see, God has come. He's with us. And that's what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, God with us. There's so much in those three words. God with us. It's so important and awesome because lives are literally changed for all eternity because God is with us. Take away all the decorations. You turn off all the lights. You get away from all the music, get away from all the, all the, the, the glitter and the, the good times with Christmas. Never watch another Christmas movie and you still have Christmas because of Emmanuel, because of God with us. But what does it mean? What does it mean that God is with us? And what's the big deal about this? Each part has an infinite meaning for us. God with us. Not man with us. Not angel with us. God with us. And this morning we're going to look at that first part. God with us. The divine nature of Emmanuel. Next week we'll look at his humanity. God with us. With people. With humans. And then we'll look at and see why God needed to come. Why do we need Emmanuel? And then the last Sunday before Christmas, we'll then look at his glory. You see, in Luke 2, most of us are familiar with that passage. The Sunday before Christmas, Jesus was born. An angel appeared to the shepherds as they were watching over the flock by night. And then a whole host of angels filled the skies. They filled the skies and they said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. We'll look at this glory, and we'll see why so, it's so awesome, and not only thrilling, but a privilege to know that God is with us, and it's saving grace to know that God is with us, and why Christmas is so incredibly awesome. So much wrapped up in that one word. Emmanuel, God with us. So unfortunately, there are many who believe that Jesus is not God. They may think he's a good person. They may think he's a prophet. He may even be someone who's worth modeling. They may even believe that Jesus died on the cross for sins. But he can't be God because God doesn't die. They say, how can God die and rise again? And why would God even do this? 
You see, the truth is, if Jesus is not God, then Christmas is simply a waste of time. Our faith is make-believe. It would be a man-made religion that simply just fills a void in our life. It would have no real value to us. You see, if Jesus is not God, then we're not saved from our sin. And that's what Christmas tells us. All of us know of people who don't believe Jesus is God. And there are others who say they believe, but when they talk about Jesus or you look at their lives, there's no change. There's no effect in their life of knowing that Jesus is God. They claim to have faith in Jesus, but they only know about him. God is not with them. You see, if Jesus is God and a person claims to know, to come to know him, their life will never be the same. Do you believe that? Their life will never be the same because they have come, when you come to know Jesus, you've come to know God. You see, if I claim to know my wife, Christian, I mean, I really know my wife, Christian, and you ask me, so when's her birthday? I say, I don't know. Or you say, what, what, uh, what makes her smile? I don't know. Well, what makes her laugh or what, 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 what makes her cry? I don't know. Well, what, what do you know? Do you know her favorite meal or her favorite restaurant? I, I don't know. Well, what do you know? Well, I can tell you what she does for me. I don't think Christian would say I know her. I don't think you would say that I know my wife. You know what she does for you, and is that all that she's good for? What she does for you? You see, it's the same with God. If all you know about God is what he does for you, then you don't really know God. Do you know God? Do you know the true meaning of Christmas, what's behind the nativity scene? Or is Christmas about the presents? Is it about family vacations? Or is it about some special people in your life or the special time that you're given? You see, even if you know about Christmas, if you don't know about Emmanuel, God, with us, then the truth is you don't know God. Christmas, you see, leads to Easter. And Easter leads to the throne of God, where Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18, Christ suffered that he might bring us to God. See, it doesn't end at Christmas. It doesn't end at Easter. We have Christmas so that Easter will happen. We have Easter so that then we will then be brought to God and be with him. Emmanuel is God who came to us to bring us to himself. Jesus is God, who came to bring us to God. You see, the reality, none of us can go to God on our own. It's like a rich man trying to go through the eye of a needle, Scripture says. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a person to go to God. It's impossible for any person in their own strength to make their own decision that they will go to God. It's impossible. 
But Scripture also tells us what's impossible with man is possible with God. It takes God to bring us to himself. And if God doesn't bring us to himself, then we are lost. We're lost. You see, Jesus is the way to God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. That's why the early Christians, they were known to belong to the way. Our faith wasn't always known as Christianity. In the early days, it was known as the way. Jesus is the way. If Jesus is not God, then we have no way to get to God. And being without God then means death. It means separation. It means that you can't ever get to God and you are separated from him for eternity, apart from his goodness, apart from his grace, and apart from his love. If Jesus is not God, if Jesus is not God, then there's no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, there's no redemption for us. You see, if Jesus is not God, then his death means the death for us all. No man can overcome death. Once a person dies, that's it. They're dead. They cannot bring themselves back to life. And if Jesus was only a man, then it's impossible to be with God. But you see, on that Christmas morning, Emmanuel reverses that. God with us. He reverses that. It's impossible for us to go and be with God. And only God can overcome sin and death. So Emmanuel, God with us, comes to us and provides a way for us to be with God. You see, it's not like God let us try on our own. And then he says, well, since you can't do it, I have to come up with a plan here then. No, this has been God's plan from the very beginning. This has been God's plan for all eternity. He didn't have to come up with a plan B. This is the plan, Emmanuel. Emmanuel was promised long before he was born. It was God's plan all along to come and save those who repent of their sin and believe in him. This is what the Bible says. God planned from the beginning for Emmanuel to come. And be with us. You see, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus, that baby born in Bethlehem, that nativity scene with all the faces, the animals, the lights, where everything's focused on that baby, that that baby is God. The New Testament claims that Jesus is God. In John 20, 28, after Jesus tells Thomas to put his finger in the holes of his hands or to stick his hand into the side where he he was wounded, Thomas responds with this, my Lord and my God. In Romans 9, 5, Paul explaining that Jesus Christ was born in Israel as a Jew, as a Jewish man, he grew up to be a Jewish man, says here's Christ who's God over all. Then in Titus 2.13, Paul tells Titus about the Christian waiting for Jesus 
to come to return what he calls, what Paul calls our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus himself talking to Jews who did not believe in him. They did not believe that he is God or that he is the Messiah. They thought Abraham was the father of their faith. Jesus responds and says, before Abraham, I am. And it's not just in the New Testament. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 11, Luke refers to the prophecy that's actually back in Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, which says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's why that part is is part of the famous uh, Christian hymn and Handel's Messiah that choirs sing every year around Christmas. Notice in that prophecy that Jesus fulfills that a child, for to us a child is born, but what? A child is born, a son is given. The child was born, a son is giving. Next week we'll look at the child being born, the humanity of Jesus. Today, God's son is given. God gave his son to be with us. Perhaps, though, the clearest passage in all of Scripture that tells us that Jesus Christ is God is our text this morning, John 1, 1 through 4. Let me read it again, if you'll follow along with me, please. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. See, John tells us in the beginning there was the Word, and this Word was with God. The Son of God. This is who the Word is. This is who John's referring to. We know that because of verse 14, and the same glory is in verse 18. But in verse 1, the Word, who is the Son, the Word was there at the beginning with God. He was with the Father. The Son was with the Father. This is the two persons of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. The child is born in Bethlehem, but the eternal Son, begotten of the Father, was given at Bethlehem. The Son has always existed. To be there in the beginning as John tells us, means that he had to have existed before there was a beginning. And only God existed before the beginning. And not only was he there in the beginning, not only was the Son there with the Father, it says the Word was God. The Son was God. The Son was there at the beginning and nothing was made that was made That didn't happen through him. So what does that mean? It means the son who was there at the beginning was the creator. The son is creator God. The son of God is God. Everything that the father is, the son is. Everything you think about God and what scripture tells us about God is not only the father, it is the son. 
All that, the, all that God is, the Son is, all of his perfections, all of his beauty, all of his grace, all of his divine power and knowledge, and all of his love. All of the love of God that's in the Father's, in the Son. Now look with me again at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God is the one who creates life. John's already told us that. God is the one who has life. He's the one that creates it. In him was life, and this life is the light of men. God came to be with us, to shine a light for us, so that we may see God and know the way to God. He came to show us who God is. One person has said before that Christmas is love in action. And this is true because for God to, in order for God to be with us, he must first be for us. He must first want to come to be with us in order to come and be with us. He wants to be with us. Out of his love, he came to be with us and give us life. And that life is a life that's with him forever. But why is it important that Jesus be God? Why is it important that we know that it's God with us and not a man? Because only God can show us who God is. Only God is self-existent. Only God is the one who doesn't need anyone or anything else. Only God existed before creation, before the fall, before sin and death. Only God has eternal life. It's only God who's always existed and who forever will exist. Therefore, it's only God who can tell us about our sin. It's only God who can then take the full penalty for that sin, for all those who believe in him. And it's only God who can then conquer that sin so believers can have this new life that he gives. Only God can take all that sin and then within himself have life spring out once again and give it to us. No man can ever live up to the standard of God. No person is perfect. No one can stand in his holy presence. No one can save themselves or anyone else for that matter from the penalty for sin, which is death. Only God can save. Back in the Old Testament, Isaiah 43, 11, God says this. This is God's word. I am the Lord, Yahweh. And besides me, there is no savior. God is the one who saves sinful people. You see, if Jesus is not God, then there is no salvation for those who believe in him because he could not have life within him. He would have died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and that would have been it. And those who have faith, Paul says, we would be the most to be pitied because every Christian would still be under the penalty for, of death. See, faith in a man is only as good as that man. 
If Jesus is not God, if he was only a man, then Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago and his bones have rotted away. Our hope has died with him. But faith in God? Faith in God is complete confidence in who God is. And Jesus is God. That means the assurance of our faith is in who Jesus is. Believers have salvation because God has life. And He creates life. And He's come to us to give us that life. He has worked for our good by coming to us when we needed help in our lowly state, when we couldn't do anything for ourselves. And He died on the cross, taking our punishment And by his divine power, he rose back again to life. He raised himself from the dead. And in him is the light of men. In him is resurrecting life. Sinners are saved and given new life. And that means then that creator God has come to us and he is savior God. Creator God is savior God to all those who believe in him. And because of the world in which we live, because of our own sin, because if we don't believe for the non-believer, death is in front of you. And if you cannot overcome it, then you are completely separated and no one can overcome death on their own. For you, as a non-believer, that means to pass into eternity And have no life, once again, completely separated from God. Without Jesus, you're separated. You need God. You need that way that goes to God. You need Jesus. You need his life. His life that has full resurrecting power. That God-creating life that he gives. Without it, you're still in your sin and you will perish, Scripture says. For the Christian, for all those here today who believe in Jesus Christ, Christmas is truly our holiday. It's our celebration because to us a child was born, but more importantly, the Son is given. In the nativity, God is in the manger, not just some baby. God is in that manger God came to be with us and fulfill what we cannot so that we will be with him forever. For all those who repent of their sin and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that Jesus paid the price for our sin because of Emmanuel, we're told a precious promise in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you'll turn there with me, please. It's page 1000, verse 18 in the church Bible. 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. For all those who believe in Jesus Christ, this is our promise that God has given us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Page 1018 in the church Bible. This is what every believer of Jesus Christ, every follower of Emmanuel is promised this. When the days are long and hard, you can turn to this promise here and know that this is for you. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is what that means. For all of us who are in Christ, he has given his divine nature to you. He allows you to have life now that lasts forever that's in his name. By his divine power, Christ has given you what you need to live for eternity with him. Through knowing him and being with him, this promise says we escape all the corruption of the world, all the evil that's in our hearts. We escape that because of Jesus. Now, we may battle our sinful desires, but even battling our sin is a sign of God working his grace in our life. But it's God's godly nature that protects us from our sinful desires. It's God who protects us from all the corruption in the world. He has given us the promise that through repentance and faith, we will have an incorruptible life that lasts forever with him. It's not just a new life. It's one that will never ever be apart from him. Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples this. After he gave them the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I've commanded to observe. And he says this at the end before he leaves. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, Christ is with you today. He's with you. That means never a moment apart from him. That means he is Emmanuel for you. God is with you. He's with you every day, every moment. Christ is helping you, protecting your soul, healing your heart, giving you strength to endure. He's preserving your new life with him. Church, I hope you see that in that nativity scene that's put up in every Christian home, that it's more than just a baby in a manger. This is God in the flesh in that manger. This is God more than a baby. The baby is God who loves you so much that he came to die in your place to take your sin on the cross, to open your eyes, to shine the light of his life on you so that in your sinfulness you will then repent and you will have faith in him and believe this christmas let us celebrate emmanuel let us celebrate god with us let us enjoy the deep soul filling gladness of god being with us and let us tell every person in our lives who need to hear that only jesus brings us to God. Let's pray.